Well, let's turn back to Acts uh, chapter 4. I want to go back and begin reading in verse 1. Verse 1 of chapter 4. And Peter and John spake unto the people and the priest and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them because they were grieved that they taught the people and they preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in the hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. But even though they persecuted them, even though they laid hands on them, even though they were trying their best to stop them from preaching Christ, howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were the kindred of the high priest were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, James and John, I mean Peter and John, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Who give you the right to do this? Who give you the, Who has the authority to tell you to do this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. He said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed that was done unto the impotent man, by what means he is made whole? He said, If you want to know how this man was made whole, he was made whole physically, but more than that, he was made whole spiritually. Be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. There's no question. He told them exactly who did this. He didn't say me and uh, John did this. We didn't take any credit for this. He said, this is, this is what the Lord's done. They, they said, there's no way we can refute what's happened. There's no way we can deny that something marvelous happened to that lame man. Something did. They saw it. They knew him. This is the stone, verse 11, which was set at naught of you builders. You rejected him. You crucified him, you slain him. This is the stone which, which was set at naught at you builders. But he has become the head of the corner. And the verse I want to look at tonight is verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. It's amazing how the Lord even used persecution to bring it about where these men would hear the gospel. And he preached the gospel to these people. He told them who did this. They knew who it was that did it, that it was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They knew who he was. Now, there were many people that were named Jesus. It was a common name among the Jews. It's just like the name Joshua. It means Jesus. It means Savior. They were a lot of Jesuses, but there's only one Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and he's the one. They're thinking, well, how can he do this? We thought he was dead. 
You took him. You crucified him. And you laid him in a grave, and God raised him from the dead. And it is by in the name. It is in the name and in the authority. It is Christ. Do you think about this? Who worked through his servants and healed that man and made him whole. And you think this is the same Peter that ain't been a couple of months early. He was so timid. He was so uh, so afraid. He denied that he even knew the Lord, but not now. He's not, he's not afraid because the Lord filled him with his spirit and he, he enabled him. He, the, the wicked flee when no man pursues. The righteous are bold as a lion. Peter knew, I don't have anything to be afraid of. I know exactly how this man's healed, and I want you to know it. And God used that, and you imagine that saved 5,000 people. But these self-righteous religious people, they don't like it. You would think they would be happy that this man that was lame was made. Of, oh, they're not, they're not happy. They said they were grieved. Well, you notice this last statement of verse 12. It says, whereby we must be saved. I think men have so perverted that, you know, I got saved, I've been saved, 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 you know, and they just take it flippantly. But what is it to be saved? And first of all, it is a state of being, and it is, saved means to be delivered. These people that Peter were preaching to, they needed to be delivered. They first of all needed to be delivered from the penalty of sin. All men are under the penalty of sin. How are they to be delivered? They can't deliver themselves. They have no ability to deliver themselves. That lame man couldn't deliver himself. That lame man couldn't give strength to his legs. He couldn't. The wages of sin is death. Somebody, somebody has to pay the debt. Someone must die. The penalty. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth it must die. That's the penalty. God's not going to change it. He's not going to bend his law. Somebody's got to die. Somebody has to pay the penalty. We know Christ did. But we have to be delivered from the penalty. You imagine, it's like, it's like living on death row. You've broken the law. Justice demands that you must be punished for breaking the law. And we live under that tyranny. How can we? We're, we're like prisoners held captive by sin, and we have to be delivered from the penalty of sin. Then we have to be delivered from the very power of sin. Sin is a sovereign. You can't resist it. You can't stop it. It's it's an unruly evil. It is a that that sin might become exceedingly sinful. Listen in Romans chapter six. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Before we were converted, we served our old sinful lust. It, it was a power. We couldn't resist it. It's just like, the thoughts come to your mind many times. You try to resist it, and it's just like it seems to overcome you. You lay down and you try to go to sleep, and even your mind—I mean your, uh, I mean your uh, dreams—at times torment you. For he that is dead, now listen to this. He is freed from sin. When a man's dead, if you, if he was sentenced to die, and he's died, and they put him in the gas chamber, or they hung him till he was dead. Once he's dead, 
He's freed. The penalty of the law is satisfied. Knowing this, that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Now you think about that. Death had dominion over him. He submitted himself to death. If it be possible, remove this cup from me. And he, to deliver us from death and deliver us from the power of sin, the power of sin, it's just like you want to see sin. Our bodies are one day going to die. You know why? Sin. Whether we like it or not, we try to stop it. We try to exercise. We try to do everything we can. But we cannot resist the power of sin. Now listen in verse 6, verse 14. I thought that was interesting where it says, Death hath no more dominion over him. He died once. That was enough. And God raised him from the dead. But he did die. He died our sin was upon him, and he died in dominion. Sin shall not have dominion over him, for sin shall not have dominion over us. For you are not under the law, but you're under grace. And you think about it. We're not under the Sin shall not have dominion over you. Now, we still sin, but if it totally rules our life, there's something wrong. We've not, we've not been delivered. He delivered us. We don't have to be afraid of death. One day he, he said, we're going to sleep. Lazarus sleeps. He didn't say he died. He said he sleeps. That's what's going to happen. Your old man, the, this old flesh is just going to fall off. But that new man, he'll never die. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest this? Delivered from the dominion. Dominion. Of sin. Then we must be delivered from the pleasure of sin. Here's what it said about Moses. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Something changed that man. You know what we do? We love sin. You've seen me use this illustration. I don't know how many, what? We drink it like water. We just, we love it. How can we do good that are prone to, uh, uh, to do evil? Prone to wonder, Lord, we feel it. Than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. He could have had anything and everything he wanted. Men would have bowed to him. He would have probably been the next Pharaoh. He, was, oh, he could have run over the greatest kingdom of that time. And he forsook it. He left it to enjoy the pleasures of sin just for a season. What we once loved, we now hate. And what we once hated, we now love. He made us willing in the day of his power. We, do want, we once took pleasure in sin. We once took pleasure in religion. We took pleasure in it. It made us feel good. We took pleasure in it. We liked it. We enjoyed it. Our Lord said, if you loved me, you'd keep my commandments. And we must have a new nature. It's the only way we can be delivered. He said, what I want to do, Paul said, I don't do. What I don't want to do is what I find myself doing. O wretched man that I am. But he delivered. You know what he does? He makes you sick of it. Sick of it. Sick of sin. Sick of it. You, see, you know, we're sick. sometimes we just get, see ourselves and we just just sick of it. 
Then lastly, he must deliver us from the very presence of sin. Delivers us from the penalty, the power, the pleasure, and one day he's going to take us out of this world and there'll be no more sin. We'll be delivered from the very presence of it. Let me read to you in 1 Corinthians 15, verse. if you would turn there, verse 24. Then cometh the end. Notice this, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, whom he hath put the when when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is Death. We don't have to be afraid of Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? And in 1 Corinthians 15, 52. Here's how it will happen in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. As the, as the last trump, for the trump shall sound. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. You know what that is? We must be saved. And this is what he's doing. He's saving us. One day he's, he's coming back. He's coming back. And now turn, I want you to see this one. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. But we had the sentence in death, the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, <clears throat> but in God which raised us from the dead. Now look in verse 10. Who delivered us. He delivered us. Who delivered us from so great a death. That's saying what he did when he regenerated us and when he converted us he delivered us from so great a death if he hadn't delivered us most people that are not delivered most people who won't trust Christ they're going to experience not only death but the Bible calls it the second death for all eternity so he hath, the, he hath delivered us past tense and he doth that's present tense he doth Deliver. He delivers us. If we just only knew how many times he delivers us, he delivers us from our, he delivers us from ourselves. And you know, sometimes something happened, and and you, and you think, why was I, why was I hindered just for a little while? And you just never know. And you know what? Just through that, the Lord delivered you. I remember you, the illustration you telling me. You and Kathy was leaving the house one Sunday morning, and Kathy just said, "I'd like to have a, a bottle of water." So Danny goes into the garage and gets a bottle of water out of the refrigerator and just so happened the gas is on. The gas line had come loose and it sprang gas inside that garage. And all it would have took, taken was a spark. But somebody just happened to want water. <laughs> he got delivered. He does deliver us. You know, we don't know. The steps of a good man are ordered to the Lord. And whom we trust, and we do trust him.
that he will yet one day, future tense, deliver us. But breaking this verse down, neither is there salvation in any other. Salvation is only found in Christ. There's not many ways of salvation, and there's not many ways to be saved. There's no salvation in any other. Our Lord said, I am the way. Turn with me to John chapter 10. You know, the Pharisees and the scribes and the chief priests and all them, they thought they had a handle and a monopoly on how to be saved. They thought it was by keeping the law. John 10, 7, then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I'm the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me were just thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And he shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am coming that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. Who saves the sheep? The shepherd does. Men are taught to look to their own strength, their own wisdom. They're taught to look coming to the front of a church. They're taught to look to a confession, profession. While you're there in John 10, look down to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of the Father's hand. That lame man was one of his sheep. Those 5,000 was his sheep. And the shepherd came that day, and found the sheep. There's, there's no other name. He said, how does this man stand here whole? How does anybody made whole? It's through the name, the authority, and the power of Jesus Christ. John 10, 43. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, that through who? His name. Whosoever believeth him shall receive remission of sin. It is in his name. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. They ask him, but what power, Peter? How did how did you how did this happen? By what name? Who gave you the authority to do this? Who gave you the authority? That's what the name means. It means the authority. His name, he has a on his vesture, he has a name written, King of Kings. And Lord of Lords, call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Who gave them the authority? Verse 10, be it known unto you all that unto all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him do this man stand here before you whole. You know what? That same Jesus they crucified, God raised him from the dead. God made him Lord. He has all the authority. You know what he said in John 17? All power has been given unto me. All authority is in my hand. I can show mercy to whom I will show mercy and whom I will I'll, I'll harden up. It's in his name. It's in his hand. It's in his power. He has the authority. They tried to stop Peter and John, and, and eventually they, they had their hand. They crucified them and marred them and all those things, but... 
They couldn't die until the Lord had seen fit, but they were his messengers sent in his power. Jesus is his name of humiliation. Took upon himself the form of a servant, as we read in Philippians 2. And like I said, she shall bring forth a son and call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It was his name of humiliation. Christ, that's his office. He's the Messiah. He's the son of David. He's the only one that is a prophet, a priest, and a king. David was a prophet, and he was a king, but he was no priest. He was our Lord. That's his office. His his Christ, his, his office was to fulfill the Father's will. And now part of that office is he rules in his reign. Now what do we preach? We preach Christ and him crucified. We are called, we'll find this on out in the book of Acts, we are called, we're not called Jesus-shuns, we're called Christians, Christ-like. And they, they probably said it as a derogatory term, but that's where it got from. We preach Christ. They identified with who? Christ. We preach Christ. He saves his people. He rules right now. He's priest. He made, he made the atonement for sin, and he's the prophet. He's the only one who inter- can interpret his word to your heart. And then the term Nazareth, that's where he was from. So there would be no doubt who this was. It was that Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Can you imagine what they thought? Now, they think this man's dead. The last time they seen him, he's dead. They, not, they never witnessed him in his resurrected body, only the disciples and a few hundred others. And to hear that he's alive, and they're going to preach him how the apostles preached our Lord. This is how they began in the early church. They preached Christ, him sitting upon his throne. They didn't... He didn't go out and say as men do today, would you please make Jesus Lord of your life? Would you let God do something? That God can't say nothing. He, he is no Savior. If you have to let him, he's no Savior. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you know that's more than just saying the name of Jesus, and people use it as like a like it's superstitious. If you'll just call on Jesus' name, he'll save you. No, it's looking to him and him alone as the only one, and you shall be saved. And God gives you ability to cry. And you know why you cry? Because you have a lot of your life. In just a little, hopefully in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a new grandbaby. And that baby's going to cry, but that baby was alive before it ever cried. There's evidence of life when it cries. The reason we believe is because God's given us life, not reversing it. Men reverse it and say, well, if you believe, God will give you life. Oh, no, that ain't how it works. Is at the moment of conception, that's life, same way spiritually. <clears throat> God the Father, as we read in Philippians, gave him a name. God gave him a name. Who was it that even told him to, to name him Jesus? It was the angel sent to Mary and Joseph. Said, you name him Jesus. God gave him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess what? That Jesus Christ 
is Lord. Whether it's in heaven, whether it's in earth, or whether it's under the earth, whether it's the angels, whether it's men upon this earth, Christians or non-Christians or all those in hell, they're going to have to bow one day before Christ and confess he's Lord. All men's going to bow. Either they bow now or they will bow then. And they're going to confess. You know why? God's made him Lord. And they're going to have to admit it and have to confess it. And every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord. But, you know, he, he earned that name. He earned the name by what he did. He conquered. He conquered death for his people. We preach Christ sitting upon the throne that he gives life to whomsoever he will. Everyone will have to admit that there, there's the only way, the only means of salvation, the only one there is salvation in is in Christ. No other name. In Acts 2.36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. God made him. God made him. God made him Lord. Our Lord will save all whom he chose to save. He is Lord. The men must bow down. He earned the right. He conquered. He conquered death. He conquered hell. He led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. We lived all our lifetime in fear of death. We don't have to be afraid of death anymore. We don't have to be afraid, because why? He conquered death. He sits upon the throne. Why don't you listen to this statement? Why don't you look at this verse in John 5, verse 43? As I thought about it's in the name of Christ. John 5, 43. I am come in my Father's name. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. No man has seen God and lived, but the only begotten Son, who in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. I'm coming my, in my Father's name, and you didn't receive me. He came to his own, and his own received you not. That just means they wouldn't believe him. Wouldn't say, oh, we ain't not going to have him. We want a murderer. We want Barabbas. We don't want him. But look what it says. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. Christ said, I come in my name and you didn't receive me. You let somebody come in his own name. They've sent themselves. They don't have any authority. God never, God never sent them to preach the gospel. He said, but you let them come in their own name. You'll believe him. Men, men believe it every day. They receive it. They receive a false gospel and they come in their own name. Let someone come claiming to be some great one and they'll believe him. Men who, listen to this, men who come in their own name seeking to make a name for themselves, and that's what it's about. Peter said, it ain't about us. It's about him. 
But men won't, don't they? They want to make a name for themselves. They want to be remembered. It bothered me this evening. It shouldn't have, but, you know, you know, Billy Graham's been gone for several years, and they still say he was America's preacher. You know who they had on TV today? His son. So when you said, I was in there and talked to the, the previous president, and I'm going to go talk to the one now. I'm going to give him some advice. You know, he comes in his own name. Or, or he, you know, what his authority, he's using his father's coattails, what he's using. He's coming because his last name's Graham. I guess they think he knows something. I can tell you this, I know one he don't know. I've seen him enough. He'll just repeat this little prayer after me. You know, that makes me upset because they send men to hell. Come in, he said, that's what our Lord is saying. <clears throat> Let them come in their own name. I want to see them get a, a true sovereign grace preacher on there and ask him a, an opinion. Oh, no, that'll never happen. They cast his name out as nothing. And what they said about our Lord, he'll give him, oh, he's just an old wino. He, he, cast out, he cast out devils through Beelzebub, the prince of flies. That's, that's the name they wanted to give him. But listen to me, it's through his name that men are set free. But he said, let them come in their own name. Men come in their own name seeking to make a name for themselves. They do everything for their own honor and seeking glory from men. It's like Joe Osteen's. That's a name. Why do we know those names? They want to make a name for themselves. That's what it's all about. They coming, they coming. Now, here's what they come. They come and they claim to preach Christ. You asked him, yes, uh, if you could ask Billy Graham, ask any of them, do you preach Christ? Oh, yeah, we preach Christ. We preach Jesus Christ. We preach salvation by the cross. We, we preach those things. A Christ to save, a Christ who tries to save but fails, who tries to redeem but fails, who seeks but does not find, who calls any but do not obey, his call is a false Christ, an imposter, and an anti-Christ. Our Lord warned them. It's not Christ they preach, but they preach an anti-Christ. Now, you've heard me say this, and I'll keep saying it because it needs to be said. Anybody, that does not preach Jesus Christ and him crucified his Lord over all men. What they preach, they preach an Antichrist. It is the spirit of Antichrist. Listen, in John, if you would turn there, 1 John chapter 2, I'll show you this. First John 2, 10, little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, you've heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. When John wrote this, they were already there. They were anti-against Christ. Verse 22 of chapter 1 John 2, who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he's the Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. First John 4, 3. And every spirit 
that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. And men think it's something that's coming in the future, don't they? Now go to Second John chapter 1, verse 7. I'll just give you several verses. Second John 1, 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is coming to flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now you think about this. The Lord's establishing his young church. He's sending them forth to preach the gospel. In the midst of a bunch of wolves, all the religions, whether it's Rome, whether it's the Jews, they all, they're all believing in Antichrist. They all preach in Antichrist. They're all preaching works. They're not preaching grace. And they can't anti, they can't stand. They, you know, they hate, they hate Christ. Second John verse one, verse, I mean verse Second John one ten. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house. Neither bid him Godspeed. Somebody told me the other day. Somebody showed up in their at their house, and it was a Jehovah Witnesses. You know, and and they they want they love to leave your their literature, and they they love to come in and talk to you, and and they want to say that they're, they're, there's only 144,000 going to be saved, and it's just them. You're not you you know you don't stand any hope. But you know it's sad. All those are just examples of how men have been deceived. 2 Corinthians 11, 4, anyone who preaches another gospel is the spirit of Antichrist. What we see going on, to, you know what's going on today? You know why all this is happening? This is the result of the spirit of Antichrist. This is the result of men worshiping man's free will. That's what it is. That's, it's the result of it. When God just gives men over, they just believe whatever they want. They believe that they're God, and I can be whatever I want to be. I can be a woman. I can be a man. I can be a cat. I can be a dog. I can be whatever I want. I can, I can just believe it. And, it, and it's done. I, I can just believe to be saved, and I'll be saved. Second Corinthians 11, 4, If he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom, you have not, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. They come preaching another Jesus by another spirit and another gospel, which is not another because there's only one gospel. Because Paul said in Galatians 1, 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And as we said before, say I now again. He said, if you didn't hear me the first time, I'm going to say it again. If any man... 
preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let that man be accursed. He said, let that man be damned. And you imagine all the millions of people, and now probably billions of people. I think last time I heard someone say this, probably eight, eight billion people upon this planet that don't know God. They're a lot of deceived into thinking they know God. I want you to turn to Matthew, um, first turn to Matthew chapter 7. Sorry to make you turn so much, I just want you to see these for yourself. You know, our Lord warned his disciples. He tried to prepare them for the day when he would leave. He saw men's hearts. He saw their motives. He said, he said, the religious people, all their works they do to be seen of men. But in Matthew 7, 15, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. They're not going to come with a pitchfork in a red suit. They're going to come dressed in sheep's clothes. But he said inwardly they are ravening wolves. You know what wolves love more than anything? They love to devour sheep. Now verse 21 of Matthew 7. Now we're talking about doing things in the name of Christ. We're talking about there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Many will say in the day of judgment. When they stand before God, now you think they've already died. They've already left this world. But their mind, their soul has not changed. Their thinking about God has still not changed. They still think they are received based on what they do. And they're standing before him and they're going to brag on what they've done. Not everyone says unto me, Lord, Lord, and... I guess they think, well, if we just, if we repeat it, you know, people love to say, Savior, Lord, 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 you know, and it's just, it's vain repetition. Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy what? In thy name. They said, we did it in your name. And in your name, we've cast out labels. And in your name, we've done many wonderful works. They didn't just say we've done a few works. We did many wonderful works. In your name. We did it in your name. We thought we were right. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, if you would just turn over to Matthew 24. And I'll give you just a few more. Here in Matthew 24, our Lord's telling the disciples. This is have, it has reference also to the time when the temple will be destroyed in AD 7, but it also can apply to when he comes back. Because they ask him, when will these things be? And the first thing he says... Matthew 24, verse 5, 
For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, or I preach Christ, and shall deceive many. He didn't say a few. He said many shall come, and they're going to come in my name. They're going to sum and say, Christ sent me, and I'm Christ, and they shall deceive many. Verse 9, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake, because you identify with him, because you worship him, and it's for his namesake. And in verse 11, And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. They deceive men by telling them there's many ways to God. They, they, their whole goal is to seek to pervert the gospel. Christ had saved this lame man. A grace that does not make a person obedient to God is not the grace of the gospel. A faith that does not make a man faithful is not the faith of God's elect. And a salvation that does not transform sinners into the image of the Savior is not biblical salvation. It's more than a profession. It's more than an emotional experience. It's when we willingly bow to Christ as Lord. To come to Christ, to come in Christ's name, is to come in his authority. It'd be just like if we was going to send out the Secretary of State or an ambassador from this country. They don't go in their own name. They go in the authority of this nation, under the banner of this nation. And when we go out preaching the gospel, we go under his banner. We go with his authority. He said, how can any man preach the gospel if he's not sent? And you remember what our Lord said. Don't you turn, I know I've went, turned, told you to turn to several scriptures, just a couple more. Turn to Mark chapter 16. Now, this is the last thing our Lord said to the disciples before he left this world. We call it the Great Commission. This was really their marching orders. This is what they were to do, and this is what we see fulfilled here in the book of Acts. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. He didn't tell us to, to go to, to, to make them believe. He just said, you preach Christ, preach to all the world. You preach to every man, every man. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And then if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall hand, lay hands on the sick and they shall be recovered. And they did. How they do it? And they did it in the name of Christ. Now, Matthew 28, in closing. Similar to the same thing, but it's written a little different in Matthew's gospel. 
Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost. That's not that's not just saying you know, like the Catholics do in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, you know, and all those things. It takes all three persons of the Godhead to save a sinner. The Father chose. It's in his name. The Son redeemed those that the Father gave him. And the Holy Spirit gives you life and enables you to look to Christ for everything. That's why we name him. That's why it takes all three working together. He said, you go preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Whereby we must be saved. And it's a must. It's a necessity. If they never hear the gospel, they'll perish. You know, just sad to see people. I mean, it's just so sad. They, their eyes are so blind, and they've been they've been so deceived. All those people who went up to the front in Billy Graham's crusade, they've been millions of them. He was worldwide deceived. They believe what he said. You come up here and you make your decision. You accept Jesus as your personal Savior. And nowhere is those things mentioned in the Word of God. Well, why would somebody preach that? You make a name for yourself. 